Oh, we're ready. Ready. All right, Mr. Paul. <laughs> kick her off. <laughs> kick her off. Yeah. Everyone, everyone likes to hear your voice. Kick her first. off. No, I don't. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of The Journey. This time, John has chosen our topic, and he's chosen for us to talk about culture. So, John, why did you pick culture? And what things are we going to talk about around that word? Yeah, so um, so why I picked it, you know, we, we have our little brainstorming sessions and stuff. And that, that topic's uh, near and dear to my heart. I think all, all three of us have a lot of experience in, in establishing culture and taking part in culture. And we've had champions of culture and challengers to culture and just all, all these different things. So, um, so I think we've got a lot, of, a lot of opinions between the three of us on, on culture and a lot of perspectives. So that's why I chose it. And, um, and yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, maybe in my fashion, get it out there with a definition of just when you, when you kind of hear the word culture, what it, what it means to you guys. And, um, and then talk through just, uh, how we've seen that, um, at work in, in the organizations we've been in kind of good, bad, and otherwise. So, um, I guess that's what I was thinking. And then we can just see where, where the road the road takes us, you know, from that. All right. What's um, the definition? Yeah. So let's, let's go with that. So, um, yeah, when we talk about culture and specifically, let's just kind of narrow this down to, um, to culture within a, within a business and, and kind of try to keep it to that. Um, so what do you guys think of when you just think about a business's culture? Um, yeah. It's talk about what that even means to you. Yeah, it's a, it's like a feeling, a vibe. It's like a, uh, I guess that's the only way to describe it yeah, to me. It's like a, like we all have our own individual personalities and cultures like the personality of the organization. Almost like the fabric, like a fabric of the organization. Like, uh, <laughs> isn't that part of a commercial? Um, is it? Yeah, like from the 80s or something. Um, I can't think of what it is. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe okay. So maybe right out of the gate, there's a distinction there. So I, I would agree with that. It's kind of a um, uh, an environment, a vibe, or whatever. And then, and then I guess there are um, companies and leaders that actively work to create a certain culture, and they'll refer back to the culture and they'll say that this is consistent with the culture we're trying to create or it's inconsistent with the culture that we want to have. And those types of things will kind of drive what you do or don't do. And then, um, and then there are other organizations that, um, don't talk about culture so much. Um, and, and I guess my point with that would be, there's still a culture in those organizations, whether you're kind of actively managing it or trying to achieve something or trying to, you know, contrive something or whatever, or whether you're, um, staying away from the word, you just think it's stupid and silly and and whatever. There's there's always culture. There's always a vibe. There's always a feeling. Um, I guess for any any organization that you're in, if you're if you're there for for a little bit of time and not much. So, um, do you think that using? I guess I should get a closer to the microphone. Do you think using the word culture and making it more on the forefront of people's minds? has been a more recent thing or was it a thing when you guys first started working in organizations? Cause I don't remember it for the first 10 years of work other than, you know, just 
within groups trying to establish our own personalities and stuff. I certainly don't remember it in any HR training sessions or leadership training or anything else. So is it just that I missed it or is it more of a recent focus? I don't know. Um, I don't, I can't, I can't think of it specifically either. Um, I mean, it's always been, I guess it's always, like John said, I mean, it is a thing, whether you call it out or not, it, it exists. So I just always felt like the places that I worked with, for the, worked at for the most part, had good cultures. Don't know that we actually spelled it out like that up until, I mean, maybe right. later. Do you think people started spelling it out after like the dot-com era where culture started kind of being associated with coolness and stuff like that? Maybe. I think, I think as companies, especially tech companies, they move further and further into the kind of the, I don't know, the limelight, I guess. And they get sort of, um, you know, a lot of public public recognition, whether good or bad. And then you start to uncover like the really cool things about working for these companies. And I think that somehow defines the culture for them. And I think people are gravitated towards some of those perks and things that, you know, some of these companies offer. And so maybe that has just naturally created this reason to like spell it out and call it. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm the oldest in the group, but, um, so it's it's like you don't have you don't have like Twitter Twitter trending or anything like that. I f- I feel like corporate culture has been around for for a long long time, and for sure. um, so I feel like maybe it would have become a more of a buzzword in the eighties. Um, uh, but I don't have any research to back that up. I think of like the um, um, the stuff that was going on in um, uh, in Japan, like in my childhood or in the eighties with some of their manufacturing processes and their corporate processes and how, um, uh, your job was kind of your life and, and some of those things that I never went over there. never saw it. Just the, the things that it, it reportedly reportedly had as kind of presented to us the way I thought of it. So I thought that was a heavy, um, kind of a heavy example or emphasis on on a corporate culture. Um, and so, so I don't, I don't think of it as a new, a new kind of thing or buzz or anything like that, but, but I don't know. Wikipedia agrees with you. They say it has been estimated for, or it's been estimated from archeological data that the human capacity for cumulative culture emerged somewhere between 500,000 and, uh, wait, this is written wrong. 500,000 and 170,000 years ago. I don't know why they wrote it backwards, but basically it's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then here, now I've got a definition of corporate culture, which I think is, is a little bit helpful. This is on Investopedia, but it says corporate culture refers to the beliefs and behaviors that determine how a company's employees and management interact and handle outside business transactions. And then it says often corporate culture is implied, not expressly defined and develops organically over time from the cumulative traits of the people that the company hires. A company's culture will be reflected in its dress code and its business hours and its office setup and its employee benefits, its turnover, hiring decisions, treatment of clients, client satisfaction, and every other aspect of operations. Um, So for me, that's a, that's a really good statement. And when I, when I look at um, defy for you guys or places that, um, that I've been in the past, um, uh, yeah, 
that is how we dress here. That's not how we dress here. Why is that person wearing shorts? Well, that's, you know, that. Why is that person working from home? Why is that person standing up at their desk? Why is that person taking vacation right now? Why is that person answering the phone at 10 o'clock at night? Just all of these things are either completely normal or completely abnormal, you know, for your organization. Um, and I can kind of answer each one of these things for, for Defy, even though I never worked there, I can say specifically the answer to each of these questions based specifically on Defy's culture under, under your leadership, Stephanie. And now there's new leadership there. And I can look at specifically those things and look at how the culture has changed there, you know, for better, for worse, for whatever, but it's changed. It's different from what it was, um, for sure. The culture has shifted, therefore the norms have shifted. Um, so, yeah, and it's one of the reasons why when the change was happening, you know, I don't know whether they really wanted me to stick around or not. You never know somebody's intentions. But when, you know, being asked about staying with the company, the vice chair, or different different roles, for me, nothing negative. It's just a company has a personality, has a culture, and it's a lot based on its leadership. And I think it's very difficult to go from one leadership to another leadership, still having both of them there because it's like a split personality. And so if new leadership is coming in, they, again, for better or for worse, need to be able to establish their own personality, their own culture, their own thing. And it's probably why it makes it hard for startups or companies selling or different things to to combine and people to stay around because none of us do things exactly the same. So it was, it was a big reason. I loved the company and the people and the um, clients, but I think it would have been yeah, too hard to watch a personality change and to be able to be on board with it. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we've kind of decided that, that culture exists, whether it's managed or not. And then I think um, if we kind of go off from there. Um, do you guys, um, Justin, maybe comment on, uh, do you believe there's such a thing as a, um, a uh, I'm trying to think of the road I want to go down. How important <laughs> is culture? So, so we've got Stephanie who has literally formed a company and established how a company is and melded the personalities or employees into it. Um, you and I have worked at companies, haven't led companies in the way that, that she has. So, so mm -hmm. as a, as a member of a company, Justin, your perspective on that is cult is culture important to you, and why do you think it's if if it is, why do you think it's important, and how do you think it feeds what you're trying to do, you know, at that company or through life and in working? Just talk about how culture just affects you as an employee. Yeah, I I think it number one, it is important, um, and it's necessary, and I think it's important for people to align with the company culture because you know, a lot of the things that you rattled off earlier, if those are certain things that I wouldn't, you know, that I don't gravitate towards, like if I want to wear shorts at work, but uh, the company culture that I might be going into doesn't allow that. And that's an important thing for me, you know, that creates a decision point. And those are things that I need to know. Um, and also just, you know, just being able to um, flourish and, uh, you know, give your best effort and do a really good job. I think it's really important to be um, supported more on the EQ side of things, right? Because to me, and culture seems more of an emotional thing, like a, um, 
a human nature type, you know, aspect of the company. I think oftentimes that gets branded as quote unquote HR. And sometimes that is a nasty word to some people, but really at the end of the day, it's about the people um, and how you treat people. And if you're working for an organization that treats people really well, and you, they give you the freedom and the ability to succeed and grow in your, in your position, then that's, that's very critical. And if, if you don't have that, then, you know, I think that's where you get into situations where people be, can become quite unhappy or um, it becomes less of a, you know, of, of a mission kind of driven attitude. And it's more of a, maybe I'm just there collecting a paycheck and I, you know, there's 10 things I don't like about this company, but I just need a paycheck. <laughs> you know, yeah. that maybe that's not where you want your employees to sit. And the hard, yeah. I think a hard thing about culture, what I, what I saw people struggling with was you can have the foundation be the same, but that doesn't mean things don't change in an organization. So, so we constantly struggle with people saying, oh, the culture is changing. And then from my perspective, I wanted to listen, but I was also like, no, we stand for the same things. We're doing the same things, but, but yeah, some things have to adjust as we grow for scale and efficiency and all these different things. So I, I was always struggling with and, and bouncing the thoughts of, am I changing the culture with this decision? Is this, is this a deviation from who we are or is it just part of, part of growing up? That's very, that's very difficult, I think, because um, I think some people think that in order to be a more mature organization, certain things in a culture have to change, like shorts wearing or beer in the office or no vacation policy. Some people think that. I don't think that, but but some people do. Like, oh, well, you can't be um, an organization that is mature and has, you know, hundreds upon thousands of employees with no vacation policy. This was This was something I debated often. So we always had no vacation policy. Um, it was take what you need, don't abuse it. If you're abusing it, your manager will tell you, you'll get a warning, you know, that kind of thing, but, but take what you need. And for the most part, it wasn't, wasn't abused. We were all adults. People liked the flexibility, I think. But then as we were growing to be kind of double and triple the size, it came up where well, we have to have a vacation policy. And then interestingly enough, um, probably a month ago, I was talking to someone at a very large company, much, much larger than probably Defy will ever be, and they have no vacation policy. And so it's just, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard mindset thing to decide and be able to communicate effectively with the team, what are shifts in processes and those types of things versus culture changes and companies just, you can't stay the same. You have to, to grow and adjust and, um, you know, and scale basically. But that that's why we did the freedom playbook and different things because we at least want to say these are our foundational things, but that doesn't mean we're not going to change the way we report data, or it doesn't mean that we're not going to change the way groups work together or something. That's a hard distinction. Yeah, and yeah. in your company in particular, from going from um, literally a startup, you know, with one, two, three, four employees up to um, the size it grew to with all the stages and getting capital from different places and stuff. I mean, there's a lot that goes on there. Um, there's two things I was going to mention on that. And um, yeah, I, I've been big on culture um, in the organizations that I work for and a part of. And then I'm very big on setting and kind of creating an environment um, as best I can. 
uh, that has the right, the right kind of values and the right vibe. I use the word vibe all the time. Um, and I just want people to, um, whatever you want people to get along. You want people to be nice to each other. You want people to be helpful. You want there to be accountability. You want people to be smart and sharp. So there's all kinds of things that are part of, part of the culture. But one new thing, and I've, and I've had it basically the same throughout my whole career. Like I literally just carry the same kind of values and objectives through. But one that I added um, within the past five or six years was I put um, adaptability up on my, my top level Mount Rushmore with efficiency and treating people right and, um, uh, and, um, and improving things. Adaptability got onto that, that top stack just as I was realizing the same thing as you. And so, um, or just seeing it maybe with a more millennial group or whatever. And I was, um, um, just kind of talking about it. And, um, and I just thought that in, in the world now, and especially for the younger, but even for older people like me and people older than me, um, to me being adaptable, um, really is a core competency because lifespan at companies is shorter than it ever was. I think lifespan in a particular job with a particular ta- set of tasks is shorter than it ever was. And if you can be adaptable to either the task that you're working on or the company that you're working at and can be flexible and adaptable, that makes you valuable. And it also gives you the right kind of attitude and mindset. And so, um, uh, and, and so, yeah, I think, I think you just, um, like you say, as anybody, um, uh, people fall in love with different things at different point in times and they don't like to see those things change. And, and that's, you know, that's a tough byproduct of a great culture. Right. And, um, and then, yeah, it's just kind of going to, to other aspects of it and say, yeah, but we, we celebrate this too and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, d- I did notice that, um, yeah, flexibility kind of moved up, moved up the scale for me over the past 25 years as people kind of were, were really locked into things in their job and just need to be way more, more flexible about things as time has gone mm-hmm. on. You didn't decide it was important after the mission trip where every time they would yell flexibility, praise God. Yeah. That wasn't yeah, when you decided yeah. it. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 because, no. yeah. Adaptability um, and flexibility are super, super important in a, because if you're, if you're growing, that's good. If, and so being able to be flexible to adjust as you're growing is good. If you're, a, if you're stagnant, that's a completely different culture and one that I wouldn't want to be in. So if you, it's like, you can't have everything. You can't be in a fun, dynamic, growing environment and have everything stay the same. It just doesn't go hand in hand. If you want that, you go work at, I guess, Lockheed or, you know, something like that. <laughs> where work at Lockheed or if you think of, yeah. and that's kind of what made me such an odd duck. I mean, I've got this um, team of AP clerks, this team of accountants, this team of collectors, this team of billing specialists. So, so these people, by definite, traditionally, it is not uncommon at all to run into an AP clerk who's been an AP clerk for 25 years. And if they have their choice, hopefully 25 years in the same seat in the same desk at the same company like that, that is a, like a mind, that's a job that that personality type gravitates to. And so, um, and so a lot of these jobs that I had in my organization 
drew those personality types and, and, and those personality types, I think can be, um, can be really, um, useful and positive contributors to making the world go round and, and making a financial organization go round, but they're not dynamic. They're not going to change processes and, and, and help you, you know, gain efficiencies. They're, they're quote unquote steady eddies or however you want to define them. So, so anyway, there's this mix and there's this shift I was trying to make as I was trying to just drive, um, speed and efficiency and, and fun in some really mundane things. So, um, so yeah, so there's just different types and that, and that, that again gets to, I think what Justin was saying. And one of the things I want to talk to you guys about, um, of, so the importance of defining what the culture is and saying what it is. So there's, there's having it kind of exist as a vibe and then there's going kind of point by point for the four or five or 10 things that kind of define what the vibe is. And, um, have you guys done that kind of gone, whatever, to some degree, point by point through just defining your culture. And if you did that, talk about how you did it and, um, and then what the, what the results, if you felt like that was helpful to the company, just defining and kind of talking about it more, um, openly. Um, I mean, I think when I, I guess I can just speak for when I first joined the company, like I remember walking into the interview and there were all these nerf darts like all over the floor and people were shooting each other with nerf, nerf guns. <laughs> no, but like when I walked in, I was like, oh, okay. Like it was, I know you didn't like it because you didn't, I think, I actually don't think you didn't like the nerf darts themselves right. and the I didn't act like of doing it. You didn't like picking it up. That's right. right. You, that was your big thing. You just hated that. But right. walking into a, to the, an environment where that's going on and you're walking into it, it almost, it almost created this sort of calmness now like you know people going into an interview sometimes might be a little nervous or whatever but you know it created this layer of like it was pretty common it was almost like instant you kind of understood at least some portion of what the culture was within the company like obviously it was pretty laid back they like everybody likes to have fun um that type of thing so that was that was that was good and then i think over time like just being in the company i think you find out that people influence the culture because the culture ultimately is is the people um and so even whenever we're going through, like Stephanie was saying, we're going through growth and scale and, and certain tactics have to change, like things that we used to be able to do that we just can't do anymore for certain reasons. Like I think that, you know, that does cause a friction point in some people. And I think that is, you know, I think that's fair to say that the culture is changing, but I think your culture is always changing because people are always changing. And what I may need from a company today versus six months from now might be different. And, you know, one day I could have kids and I, my job means something totally different to me, you know? So yeah, yeah. I think it's just always changing. Um, but then a little bit later, we got into where we were trying to actually define um, the culture through um, some, you know, characteristics or attributes that we would define. And maybe Stephanie, you want to talk more about that, but that's where we started to lay out things like the freedom playbook and, and kind of illustrating what those are and then kind of try to rinse and repeat that throughout the organization to get everybody on aligned with that. So in every meeting we would have, we would have those, you know, those items plastered on the walls or on a pamphlet or whatever. And then each week we would try to at least recite one at the beginning of any meeting. So if you were having an internal meeting, like we wanted to have a round table to discuss what the, this week's topic was. Um, and it was all around one of these culture items. Um, so I thought that was, I mean, it, you know, I thought it was good. I think some, you know, sometimes it seemed a little cheesy um, and maybe not well received by everybody. And it was more of a, 
just a task for people to check off a box. But um, at least the, at least the company was trying. Like they were trying to, you know, instill the values and in, in, in throughout the organization, which I thought was was good and important. Yeah, yeah that was it, what I, I I set up, and I want to get into that one. But you you made I think an interesting point that for you, even going through an interview, you. You saw Nerf gun bullets on a floor, which meant that the bullets had been fired and just something had been happening to cause the bullets to be there. Nobody explained it to you that, that was part of the culture or anything like that. You may have had a whatever comment or whatever, but there wasn't any, any big thing. But that gave you a vibe that put you at ease and kind of said, okay, yep. it was one point for Defy, for you. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and other people may have been repulsed by that and said, oh man, I've been at a place where bullets are flying by my head. And um, I hate that. That could have been a point minus. But for you, you know, okay, this is at least a marker that I fit. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. the, the subtle thing that I yep. think is, is cool. And then the other thing about that is I think I've seen this. I don't know if you guys have been as many places as me where people will, will put props. They'll, they'll have the props out, but they don't have it in their culture. They'll have the ping pong table, right. but you better no not play the ping it. pong during, <laughs> during work hours. Like we, it's our culture to have the table and not play it. That's the yep. culture. <laughs> and, uh, but we got to have the table because it's a prop that makes us look like a tech company needs to look right now. Right. <laughs> and yeah. um, okay. But, but anyway, and then you said you crossed over from just Nerf gun bullets, not having to be explained, but understanding something about them to, okay. And then there was this thing that we did where we listed some stuff and had a playbook and we talked about a thing and um, hear that from your respect. Now, Stephanie kind of take over from that and, and talk about the playbook and, and what it did, did yeah. or didn't do for you guys. Well, I think the importance of once we, you get to 10 or 20 employees for us and different companies, it's different. Um, I think one of the important things about being clear about what your culture is, is so that you don't get a bunch of subcultures, which can be detrimental to everybody working together. And, and so we had times where you could see a subculture kind of emerging <laughs> and um, having having the freedom playbook or the culture kind of written out and this is what we are and this is what we stand for help to nip it in the bud, probably not fast enough for some people, but at least it brought it to the forefront, right? So, so being gossipy and complaining, not part of our culture, um, don't like it, not okay with it. If somebody is like that, you know, others would call them out using the freedom playbook about enjoy your job or move on or assume good intentions or whatever it was. So when you have a person who, you know, continues to be kind of gossipy and negative and stuff like that, it's much easier to say, look, no hard feelings. It's just this isn't the right culture for you. Right? We're just not a good fit here. So having it laid out allows um, keep subcultures to a minimum, I think, allows you to have a basis to evaluate team members and team and the company off of just like having goals and, you know, quarterly rocks and all that kind of stuff does. And, and that's why we created it. So it it actually wasn't my idea. Uh, I think Georgine had gone to a seminar or gone to something and they actually suggested creating a playbook for your family. And that if you create it for your family and you reinforce it and you say it over and over again, this is who we are. This is how we talk, like those types of things that it can help kind of your family all get on the same page about your culture as a family which was interesting. And I think in their particular case, she would paste it on the door. So when they walked out, they would say something or, you know, try to catch each other doing those things. And, um, and so then 
we decided to use it for the company as well. And so we got, I don't even know how many people in a room, um, just call it 10 people in a room. And um, I'm sure I talked a lot, but I also just listened and took notes to what people said we were. And, and sometimes there was complete agreement. Like people would say, this is who we are. And we'd all be like, yeah, that's who we are. And we like that. Not just that's who we are, but and we like that. And then other people would say something and they'd be like, yeah, that's who we are, but we don't like that. <laughs> and then other people would say something and we're like, yeah, that'd be great if that was who we are, but we're not that. And I think that was an important exercise because I, I think a lot of companies, leaders and so forth can put these big aspiring things on a paper but it isn't. They're not really thinking about who they are. So it's just like um, one of us trying to say something about our personalities when we know it's just really not our personality. And so we can aspire to be that. We can want to be that, but it's not us. And um, and so we were really just trying to figure out who are we? Who, who are we and what do we like and that kind of stuff. And so everybody brainstormed and talked and probably our biggest debate item I've talked about this a lot, but our biggest debate item was around uh, paying attention. And um, because everybody in the room agreed, we were not a company who gave people who stayed off our phones, basically, or our, our laptops. We were a company of multitaskers. And there were a large percentage of the company that didn't like that. Um, so, so, you know, they said, we are a company of multitaskers. We are a company of not paying attention. But but we don't like it. it. Doesn't make us feel good. All that kind of stuff. And then you have the other side going, "Yeah, sorry, I just this is how I work. I'm not going to work any differently." And so that was one. We not only debated that day on how to take it and put it into words about who we were, but we debated it, like Justin said, like when we would kick off meetings with it, it would become a point of focus. Other ones weren't, you know, we didn't argue about. So assume good, you know, assume positive intentions. One of my all time favorites. Um, we didn't get a lot of argument on that. Now, everybody in the company was not great at assuming good intention, assuming positive intentions. But we said, this is this is who we are. So if you're going to come and complain to me about somebody else, I'm going to call you out. Are you assuming positive intentions? Do you really think this person is evil? Do you really think this person is out to get you? Or do you think they're just going about it a different way? Do you think they have a different agenda? That type of thing. So after we met in the room and we debated and talked and and kind of everybody listed their things out. Um, I had everything in Excel and I took it and I just started grouping it together and um, grouped it into four different areas about, and then we, um, and then I worked with marketing and we came up with like a one line slogan, you know, we are a team who that, that was easier. And then we had our each, you know, eight things under being a team and how we work and that kind of, kind of thing. So ours was big. There was a lot of it, but I'm incredibly proud of everybody in the company because even though, yes, of course, people sometimes thought it was cheesy or they get tired of saying it or anything else, to Justin's point, I think they all assumed good intentions <laughs> and assumed <laughs> yeah. that we were working on it because we cared and because we wanted to make sure that these things that we cared about, even if our processes and our things had to change, that those things continued on from, you know, 1 million to 5 million to 10 million to 20 million. And we wanted to make sure that those things carried on. Um, and what I also liked about it is it was more specific than not to be mean, but like the goofy things you see written on a wall sometimes, right? It was, 
it was more, it gave more color. It, it allowed for more discussion. It wasn't like, um, like this is one I saw in a lot of companies I was in, uh, no assholes. Uh, okay. Like, but there's a lot of assholes here <laughs> and not to make our thing X rated, but that like people Too would late. say that. <laughs> but people would <laughs> say kidding. that or, or leave, check your ego at the door. Nah, you know, oh, oh, what does that mean? Right. There's just a ton of stuff that you can debate and argue and, uh, and so forth. And so ours, I feel like ours were more about the heart, like the intentions, the heart, the goals, the what we were going for. And um, what I loved about it was just that that everybody saw we were putting effort into it. Everybody put effort into it. And not just our team, but our clients and our vendors also grabbed onto it. Um, and I think used it sometimes in their company, some different components and pieces of it. But also when they read it, they knew more about us and we could also use it with them. So I many times on sales calls or a mad customer call or something would say, um, you know, I, I would bring up assume positive intentions or I would say, you know, um, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't communicate with clarity or, you know, various things like that. So I do think it was incredibly important. In fact, as I'm thinking about it, it might be important for us to do as a family, John, it would probably be something an interesting exercise to hear what the kids think we are as a family and then to come up with um, some type of mantra or something. Um, I think it was good in getting rid of subcultures as much as possible. I think it was good in calling each other out and everybody was fair game to call out. Um, and, and I think it was good just to have some amount of um, effort and energy behind it so that we were being intentional about the culture and I, I do think there's still plenty, 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 plenty of leaders who are not intentional about culture. They just kind of let it happen. And it's it's just not as important as the goals, the quarterly goals, the monthly goals, that kind of thing. And um, and obviously, we all need sales and revenue to stay alive. But culture is as important as those things, I think. Yeah, so that's... Um, uh... I think you hit on a couple of things in terms of just the, um, uh, I like the shorthand of it. The fact that, um, you've got something when somebody gets into the weeds on working from home or vacation or wearing shorts or availability. I mean, these are all kind of questions that the different managers, different subgroups, as you say, can get into the weeds on these questions. And so I think having this type of thing published um, can really help be a shorthand to, um, to reconcile it to what the company's about on some of these decisions that can kind of be endless, unanswerable questions and stuff. And, um, and yeah, and so obviously you're passionate about it. I'm hearing you talk about it. Um, uh, and then, and then Justin, um, hearing Stephanie, um, you as a guy that had been at the company for probably, you know, three or four years at that point, um, I don't know if you felt it was like you kind of hit on a little bit in your comments before, whether you felt like it was transformational to the company to have it or a nice set of talking points or something in between, or you as a consumer of that and kind of a guy sitting in the corner, but also a leader of the organization. Just how do you remember the time around the rollout of that and having it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
It's one of those things where you kind of have to toe the line whether you're on board with it or not. I mean, I was maybe I'm just maybe speaking a little more broadly because I was part of the process or part of the group that kind of helped roll this thing out. So um, I had my voice was heard. So I don't feel like it wasn't. But at the end of the day, yeah, you're you ultimately have to toe the line. And so it's, you know, on me, whether I think it's cheesy or not, if this is what we've all agreed to as a company to instill throughout the organization, then then it's my job to kind of do the same thing with my team and, you know, with all the meetings, kind of make sure we're, you know, doing it and, 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 you know, at the beginning of every meeting. Um, and, and I would get pushback and, you know, that tone of like, this is stupid. Like, why are we doing this type of thing? You know, and that can create like awkward conversations, but you know, at the end of the day, it, I think it did, it was definitely transformative because people like the over, overwhelming majority of people were doing it. And so we went from, nobody knowing what any of the kind of playbook items were yeah. to now everybody, if you ask somebody randomly in the company, there's a pretty good chance that they would know what they are. Um, and know, or more importantly, know what the current one for the week was um, just because it was instilled in everybody. And so, you know, I think that that did drive um, the behaviors that people would, that people would start to do once that came out. I mean, um, as Stephanie said, like one of the things was, it wasn't a playbook item necessarily, but just this idea of radical candor, like being able to um, call out somebody, you know, in a respectful way, but be able to call somebody out when they're, you know, maybe not adhering to the culture and the, you know, philosophy that we're trying to set within the organization. And that's really good. And so people would use that. Sometimes we'd use it in a joking manner, which, you know, again, was just part of part of the culture, I guess. But um, but I think I think it was good. I think overall it was a it was a good addition to the to the company yeah and when i you know stephanie would talk to me about it at at home and stuff like that and i was always a um just a huge fan of it and and the the process and it seemed like a great idea and i and i understand yeah the people that are preaching this stuff and evangelizing it um may feel a little bit different than the consumers of it but um uh yeah yeah and then okay well, well it's the the one the one thing like there's this and I see this in a lot of companies. And I think from my perspective, what worked, what worked about it. So, so there's what you say and there's what you do. And you got into it on some of the examples that you gave. It sounds like you guys are really careful to have it be an accurate reflection of who you were as a company. And of course, you're not going to put negative items into your culture, your cultural playbook, but you're also probably not going to put super aspirational items that are completely out of character for the way that you are, you know, for real. Right. So I guess, cause to me, um, everybody, I don't, I don't know that everybody has culture, but all big companies have mission and vision and objectives and all these things. And, um, or and some define their culture in certain ways and everybody talks about integrity and honesty and treating customers. Right. But I've seen customers treat extremely poorly, unfairly. I've seen lies. I've seen all these things. Right. And it's not that just one instance of that, um, you know, um, tears down a culture or anything like that. But, but you can tell what the culture really, really values when it's, when it's got it. So I think ultimately people will figure out what the culture is regardless of what you say. And if the culture aligns to what you say, then, um, then you've got this framework that you can judge whether you want to be in or want to be out or whether behaviors are right or wrong. Right. So I think it's important that you're, your words match your deeds. And in my opinion, obviously deeds are way more important than words uh, culturally to, to define who you are and what you're, what you're about. So Steph, what were you going to add? 
No, I was just saying for clean layer, um, setting a culture has not been a top priority right now. We're just trying to get a product to market to see if it's viable. But assuming that it is viable and that we are going to go forward, then it's going to be an important step, I think, for all of us to sit back and think about um, the current team and as we grow and all those types of things. So I think it's an, it's, it's not something that needs to be done, you know, day one or else, but it is something that needs to be done before you scale, ideally before you scale too far. And then of course, there's never a bad time. So even if somebody listening is, you know, years and years in and um, a large company, it's harder to do then, just like it's probably harder to do with teenage kids than little kids, but but there's never a bad time to try to establish it. Yeah, I guess what I would say is with with us as a team so far being so small, I think for the most part, we've all worked together, um, maybe with the exception of John, but we've all worked together. So I think naturally we just have this culture that's just shaping itself. We just don't have it defined. Um, but I think when we start, if we start bringing in more people like, uh, you know, that are new and all that, then I, absolutely we should we should define it and just make sure it's make sure it's what we you know what we want to advocate for. Yeah, and so okay, so maybe um, well, shoot, I do want to tell this story and then I want to close. So, so the okay. the one the one story was just you talk about family stuff, and that's where I get into aspirational things. And I'm just uh, the picture of me is just the the um, for people that don't know me, just a your normal generic uh motherhood and apple pie 40 40 something year old <laughs> white guy family man like i'm just that generic picture of that so i have um nice values and i like to drink a beer and um and just whatever and i love sports and all this stuff and then but i'll but i'll preach at my kids and do the types of things that we do um with our kids um to try to instill the right kinds of values in them of you know, hard work or decency or whatever it is you choose. And so I've, I've had all the conversations that we've all had. And I just, this was when my kids were, were younger and I was talking, I forget what I was even talking about. Oh, I was talking about grades or something like that, which um, I went to college and I think it's important for a kid to go to college or at least have the option to, if they want to, don't cut themselves off of the knees and stuff. So, and I was calling out someone on a grades thing and I forget whether it was son or daughter, which one said it, but they're like, we're not a, we're not a school family. We're a sports family. Well, clearly and, Jace, you just said it just like, yeah, <laughs> it, but I, it may have been Riley that said it. And so that they called me out and said, no, there was a thing. Our culture is to care about sports. Our culture is not to care about school. And, um, and, and, you know, for me, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I would always say that school is a thousand times more important than sports. I've never given any hint that I think any of you guys have the potential to do anything <laughs> to be a professional athlete or anything <laughs> like that. I'm very realistic and pragmatic about that. And um, <laughs> so I always would have said that school is the most important thing, except all my mind share is around. So I know that would have been would have been said and was said. But my mind share is how to practice go to gay. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the game. And just that I'm just assuming school is going okay. So so the so regardless of what I said around, and I would say in our fam in our family, we treat each other nicely. We treat each other with respect. I mean, that's a that's a core thing that we just gotta do. And of course I believe it. Except we've got a lot of name calling in our family, and I've got we've got a son that likes to mix it up. And um sometimes there's accountability for that, sometimes there's not. So 
even in our house, we've got a list of 10 core values on the wall, you know, that were that are biblical in nature and were given to us that I would say, oh, that's a pretty good starting point. Those are great core values. They're completely inconsistent with the personality of our house. And, um, <laughs> and so, um, so it is interesting when you're trying to, um, redefine your culture to a more idealized version of what you actually are or can do. And, and you make it completely aspirational and then you, you don't cross check it and hold it accountable and all that stuff. So, so there is, I don't know, I, I, I've been a part of those organizations that do that in a corporate way where the culture, where the words are just so inconsistent with anything. You don't know really what has meaning, meaning to it at all. And I don't want to be that kind of family. So I, I like to have aspirational things as a family and enforce things and have policies and all that stuff. But, but then it's, um, it's tricky when you, um, yeah, uh, I think that, when you aren't going to live out, you know, your, but your I think ideal that's culture. where like that one yeah. that we argued about and then we'll close it up. But the one that we argued about at work, around the, um, uh, you know, pay attention or whatever, we ultimately came to a place that said, basically, that you need to, to focus on what's going on, pay attention. But if you're not going to, then you just need to communicate that you're not going to, so it doesn't upset people. And so we came to a place that, to me, everybody was capable of doing. So you go into a meeting, you should focus on the meeting so you can get out of the meeting quickly and people don't have to repeat stuff and so forth. We were terrible at it. So this was the most aspirational one. And, uh, but if you're, if you're literally going in there just to listen um, and you're going to be working on your laptop, just say at the beginning of the meeting, I'm here just to listen. I'm on my laptop. I won't ask any questions or don't repeat anything for me. I just, I want to be in here. And then at least you've set expectations. You've set clearly your expectation. Yeah. And so I think it, it'll be interesting, especially if we decide to do it with the family, because it'll be interesting because there will be some that's just like, yes, that is accurate. And then there will be some that's accurate for some of us and not for others of us. And then there will be some that are aspirational. And how do we get to a place where we're seeking to do the seeking and trying to do the right thing, but still be, being realistic, like with that particular goal? So. Do, do you guys feel like when you when you did that, if you had an aspirational one, maybe like the one you mentioned, that you were able to drive sustained lasting change to um to line up the new culture with the playbook to 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 the point where someone that came into the organization a year later <laughs> would just know no i don't use cell phones and means that's not what we do cuz nobody <laughs> i mean you will get a freaking look from me if you, even if you open up your laptop in my staff meeting i frown on it i talk about it i make an example of it there's no phones there's no laptops like that was a defined thing about my culture i didn't even like note taking on laptops so that was just my, my thing. Yeah. And, um, and so, so there was, that was, that was in the culture. Like, yeah. no, yeah. be present. I don't care if you're 15 that, minutes late. I just want cool. you present. Right. And yeah, so that, that was the funny thing that you, you were late to everything, but you wanted people present. Yeah. And I then, just want yeah. your full attention when I've got you. And I, and I will give you my full attention when you've got me, you, you've right. got that you've full attention either way. So that would have been a cultural thing. So I guess, but, um, but were you guys able to, so to the point, were you able to, put something into the culture through the words that it actually became part of your culture where someone recognized that as, yeah, this is the culture. Did, were you able to affect any of that change? That change? Not that. that. Not on that one. It de- yeah. It, I think that one needed more. Justin can disagree with me. It's fine. Cause he was in different meetings than me and everything else. I think, 
I think it was better than it was because we were able to call each other out. There are plenty of times where Karthik or Kristen asked the same question that we just finished because they were on their laptop. Plenty of times. Well, and, and every one, time. One of your leaders had significant problems in their organization just by, by that yes. was what they did. Right. Yes. But didn't want to change it and argued it and stuff like that. Right. But, but Karthik and Kristen won't mind me calling them out. But so in the meetings, I would say, we've already answered that question. And we, and we would move on, right? Like, I was just, I'm not going to wait. Like, we've already answered it. We talk about it later. Now, Kristen, if you're listening, she would get frustrated at me. She'd be like, that wasn't fair. Da, da. I'm like, well, okay, but we already <laughs> answered it. So I would say the times when it was the weekly playbook, we got better at it. I think it was, I think probably it would have been better if we would have done something on that one, like longer and more sustained, like a couple months on it or something until it got beaten into our culture. Because we only came around to it two to three times a year. And in hindsight, I, I would have done something, you know, more like that. And so, so in my executive team meetings, um, yeah, I, I started every meeting and said, okay, everybody put everything down. Who's going to be the note taker? Because nobody else can have their laptops out. That person always often said they would be the note taker. <laughs> um, and, and so we would do that. We would say, you know, be present, put the stuff down, pay attention. Um, and so I, I saw it change in the executive team and get better um, just because, you know, we called it out and wouldn't answer and so forth. But it was our hardest one, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, that, there's no question that it, like sometimes it was followed, but the hardest one for people is their phones. Like everybody brings a phone somewhere. So it's really right. tough to go to a meeting without your phone, I think. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, it, it, to me, it comes back to like, what's this meeting for in the first place? And is this person, should this person even be here? Like just yeah. set up a more effective meeting with the people that are needing to be there and that are engaged and you need something from the meeting, then I think the meeting, you wouldn't even need that rule. Right. I don't think, right? Because people would be there for with good intentions yeah. or with intent to yeah. contribute and do whatever. Well, I think I think probably it's still one of those things that even if you need to be there, you can still be on your phone, get distracted, not be able to answer the question, not be understand what's going on. And then there's the typical thing in companies of everybody getting their panties in a wad if they're not invited to a particular meeting, right? Well, when it's like, like maybe that right. goes yeah. against the company culture and those people right. need to be weaned out. Right. Well, and but but yeah, but we you didn't know. have that as a thing. Like yeah, 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 yeah. only invite to meetings the people you need to. No, we I also, know, I know. We, yeah, but but I thought I like that one, and I also like the one of start on time or too bad you're locked out. <laughs> like, yeah. and so we actually didn't have that as one of our things. But but I abs yeah, but I absolutely like um, starting on yeah, time. People and, were late all the time, and uh, I don't know if it was because they were in back to back meetings, so the time it took to get from one to the next was. Right. It was lag time or something, but yeah, there were the yeah. meetings would never start on time. Ugh. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. So I would just start mine on time. Whoever was there was there. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's wrap it up. Right. It's been a long time. Wrap it up. All right. Well, I guess that was the discussion. Hey, do you guys have any answer for what's the, um, what's the right culture? What's a, what's, what's a good culture? I don't, I don't think it, I don't, I don't think it's a definition of good or Right. I mean, I think it's the leader's definition. And then the important thing is finding people who believe and follow that culture. And um, and you can find that in people who are very, very different than me, people who are similar than me, all kinds of things. So uh, I think that's why when there's new leadership, you have some turnover because it doesn't fit anymore. But I don't necessarily think there's a right or a wrong. Yeah. 
I would agree with that. I don't think there's anything right or wrong about wearing yep. shorts to work or having a vacation <laughs> policy or not having a vacation right. policy or being able to call you at eight o'clock at night or not be able to call you at eight o'clock at night. But, yep. but I do think it's important that employees line up, line up their makeup to the makeup of the company. Right. And, and one really good thing that you guys had in your playbook that I, I wish just people think need to take it to heart. Like you, People need to be honest and they should fit the culture like a nice little puzzle piece. It doesn't all have to 100% align, but, but be in a place that you're not fighting against the current of that place. Be in a place where your natural spirit and your natural vibe aligns with that and gets fed off of that and that you feed back into it. And if you're constantly fighting against it, admit it to yourself. It's okay to not be a good fit in a company. It's okay to yep. not be a good fit at your job. Don't right. stay at that company. Don't stay right. at that job. Find a place that you fit and right. you'll enjoy it more. And that was yep. part of your, an item in your playbook, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, I would, so, yeah. I, I think I generally agree. I think I would play the devil's advocate a little bit just to say that I think there is good and bad cultures and maybe that's only realized through an outcome. So I think culture could definitely be the backbone of a company's success. Um, and the same token, I feel like that culture could also be uh, well, an attribute of why companies fail. Um, so I guess that's where I would just draw a little bit of a distinction. But generally, yeah, I mean, I'm not judging somebody's culture. Like if, if you worked at a one of the big firms, right, and their culture is going to be more corporate, that doesn't make it a bad culture. It just just that's what their culture is. Um, versus a small company or startup or whatever, like they may have a little bit of a different culture too. Yeah. Yep. And there can be, there can be when at all costs, literally all costs cultures yep. and, um, and things like that, that I would, I would, I just don't, don't agree with. Right. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. um, but there may be some hyper competitive people who really thrive in those environments. And I guess if they're not breaking the law and, um, you know, I would say treating people with respect is important, but maybe in some places not at all important to treat them with respect. It's just, it's just get where you need to go and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. And I think some cultures exist that way. I think they're, they're dying more by the day. So I would totally <laughs> agree with you that there are bad cultures, but um, um, man, some companies with bad cultures still make a lot of money. <laughs> no kidding. Um, so True. anyway, okay. All right. All right. right. Okay. That's thanks. Okay.